Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and each week we invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic insights from our in-house economic team. Matthew Peter, good morning. Good morning, Craig. Overnight, Matthew, we had another 11 new coronavirus cases in Melbourne, bringing the total to 34 active cases. Acting Premier James Molino has introduced a snap seven-day lockdown, but with a bit of a twist, get the vaccine. So do you have an estimate, Matthew, on the economic cost this outbreak might have with the lockdown now in place? Yes, based on past lockdowns, we estimate the cost to be between uh, a half a billion and a billion dollars. It'll be at the lower end if we quickly resolve the outbreak and there's certainty of reopening. Uh, If people in business expect a short, sharp lockdown, then we expect uh, activity will tend to be suspended rather than outright cancelled. And that will, you know, cause less uh, disruption to supply chains, Craig. We'll be at the upper end if case rates keep climbing for another three days. I think if we don't see stabilisation within that time, then people will start to uh, factor in a a lengthier lockdown and they will start to cancel rather than just um, suspend activity. And that's where we'll... uh, start to get into more damage for the economy. And remember, Craig, we don't have this time round the safety net of JobKeeper. Yeah, and Molino did sort of mention this morning, Matthew, that the seven-day lockdown is subject to uh, stabilisation. Whilst the outbreak in India has been well publicised, Matthew, this new highly contagious Indian strain of COVID has also been rampaging through many parts of our region. So I thought it might be a good opportunity for us to take a bit of a snapshot as to the impacts across Asia. Yeah, Craig, it's, it's really interesting what's happening in Asia where we we see many countries that were in a similar position to Australia, you know, with zero community transmissions for many months, now all of a sudden uh, experiencing outbreaks for the usual reasons, the leakage from quarantine, people not having high levels of, of vaccine rates in those countries as well. And what we've seen is Hong Kong, for example, uh, it went from effectively zero community transmissions to 100 per day in less than two weeks in November, and it's taken them until February. Uh, to bring uh, the disease under control again. Uh, More recently, uh, Taiwan went from zero cases to 500 cases a day in uh, two weeks in May, and it's still recording uh, over 400 cases per day. Vietnam also went from zero community uh, transmissions to more than 300 a day in April, and it's still recording in excess of 300 daily. Cambodia, it went from zero to 1,000 a day in the space of a month in April, and it's still recording over 500 a day. And probably the highest rates that we're seeing at the moment are in Thailand, which went from zero community transmissions to a whopping 2,500 transmissions a day from the end of April to to, the, uh, to as we speak, Craig. Yeah, absolutely amazing, the numbers there. You're listening to Craig Valenzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our chief economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the current economic foresight shaping your investment outlook. The other big issue of the week, Matthew, has been the debate around cryptocurrencies. It seems to be an ever-present question at all the industry conferences I attend. Is there a case for institutional investors adding crypto to their asset allocation in today's market? No. Okay. Well, uh, that was uh, (laughs) definitely negative. It's been around for a while, Matthew. It's been around now for 12 years, Bitcoin. So why are you so definitive on that answer? For the same reasons uh, you wouldn't want to have uh, invested in tulips in the 17th century, Craig, or the South Seas Company in uh, the 18th century. 
Oh, I do love a Chulip analogy there, Matthew. But isn't Bitcoin just digital cash? We hold cash as an asset class. Many still see gold, for example, as a safe haven asset. Is there a potential role for a respected digital cash? Well, yeah, I think I think your comparison with this with cash is exactly the right one to make when if we get serious on the subject for a second. So, cash is a central asset in all well-diversified portfolios and that's due to its defensive nature in that it uh, preserves its capital value and it's the most liquid of all assets and the reason cash has these attributes of stable capital value and and liquidity is that its unit value is actually determined and importantly, guaranteed by the central bank, by the RBA in the case of Australia, which itself is backed by the government. So that guarantee of its capital value by the RBA means that cash has the status of the risk-free asset. This stability enables us to value the asset and also to measure its risk accurately. And those two things, ability to value an asset and ability to measure its risk, are two attributes that make any asset a great candidate for inclusion in a well-diversified portfolio. Now let's think about Bitcoin for a second, Craig. Bitcoin, in contrast uh, to, to physical cash, it's not backed by the RBA. Its price is highly volatile as there's no anchor to its capital value. And as a consequence, Craig, it becomes hostage to uh, speculative market behaviour, particularly in the current environment where we see uh, retail traders driven by momentum really introducing a lot of volatility into markets, uh, including Bitcoin. The price volatility, therefore, of Bitcoin alone makes it actually a terrible store of value and a shocking medium of exchange. It makes it particularly unsuited, therefore, to the role of uh, cash, be it digital or otherwise. In fact, the vast majority of the holdings of Bitcoin are not for the purposes of transacting goods at all, but rather for actually trading Bitcoin. Digital cash, I think, will certainly come, but it will be issued, I think, and backed by central banks. Very interesting uh, bifurcation there in terms of how you can look at these digital currencies. And by the sounds of it, you won't be adding Bitcoin or its equivalents to your portfolio in a hurry, Matthew. Uh, No quicker, Craig, than I'll be adding tulips or South Seas companies. You're listening to Craig Balanswather and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our chief economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the current economic foresight shaping your investment outlook. Matthew, you mentioned earlier the, I suppose, the momentum that these currencies can have through uh, non-normal sources of market information. Much has been highlighted that volatility, in particular for Bitcoin, and it should be criticised that a Musk tweet has so much impact. If there was a way to, however, value a recognised digital cash, how do you see that occurring? Yeah, Craig, well, I mean, the problem with Bitcoin is that it's not like a a standard asset in that it it generates no income stream, and nor is it like exchange rates in the sense that it doesn't have a a natural fair value like uh, PPP or or uncovered interest parity. It's difficult to uncover what the fair value is other than really the cost of mining bitcoins. Uh, in that sense, it's it's really difficult to value bitcoins in the same way as it's difficult to value, for example, gold. However, its relative scarcity leads to speculation, which in turn leads to large and unpredictable swings in its price, making price discovery even all more difficult. However, digital cash that is issued or that would be issued by central banks will be valued in exactly the same way that physical cash is today. In other words, Craig, 
uh, on face value. A dollar is a dollar is a dollar. Yeah, that's getting more interesting. Senator Bragg uh, appears to uh, be seeing it also having a role, Matthew. He suggested a very clear government policy framework is needed on cryptocurrencies to stop our local fintech industry moving overseas. What's your take? Well, I think Firstly, we need to distinguish uh, the various layers that make up the fintech industry, of which the development of cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin is is but one dimension, Craig. Uh, For example, although related, cryptocurrencies and blockchain uh, are not one one and the same thing. Senator Bragg himself recognises the shortcomings of Bitcoin, but he offers up a recipe of regulation to solve its issues. Now, a main issue with a a more broader use of Bitcoin is is key issues that we're worried about today in today's environment, Craig, and that's ESG issues. And the most important one is the regulatory requirement that currently exists that large transactions are audited for monetary laundering. Now, I Mm. don't see how this could be achieved with the current technologies applied by Bitcoin in any way that is superior to our current electronic banking platform in our already highly regulated uh, sector. Now, that doesn't on its own slam the door on fintech in Australia by any means. It just means that what we should be focused on is developing the means for the production of uh, digital cash and uh, digitally distributed record keeping rather than digital speculative assets. Thank you, Matthew. And for those interested in cryptocurrency, Paul Krugman has written an excellent paper called Technobabble, Libertarian Derp and Bitcoin that's in the New York Times. It's quite an introduction to that paper. It's also worth a read. In summary, the fourth Melbourne lockdown will have a significant economic cost and, of course, will only get bigger should they not be able to get this COVID outbreak under control. But it will no doubt push a drive for higher vaccination rates across the country. And with Matthew's view, that there is a place for a government-endorsed digital cash, don't write the concept of cryptocurrencies off just yet, but perhaps have some healthy scepticism of the current unregulated digital currencies by way of Bitcoin, Ethereum, etc. I'm Craig Valenzuela for QPod. What's your view? And will an institutional portfolio hold a crypto in the near future? How will it be valued? Contact us at qpod.qrc.com with your feedback. Thank you for listening and have a super weekend.